Thank you, worship team, for that wonderful spirit of worship here today. Um, I see you, Balcony. So good to see you. It's growing. The movement that is the Balcony is growing. So good to see you, church, here today. And um, we are excited for what God is doing in our church. Can someone say amen? I just want to say one more time, Pastor Matt said it so well, but Easter's coming up. We got some venue challenges before then um, that we're going to navigate, and we shared last week about that, and we're so thankful um, that we found a place. Uh, the generosity of Rock Church in Sackville has given us their building to use, their, auto, their uh, gymnasium, their um, family life center. So church in the afternoon, um, we're going to make the best of that, and God's going to do some amazing things, amen. But Easter's coming up, and I wanted to show you a couple of videos. We did a walkthrough of the venue on Friday. You'll see these venues. Uh, it's Rebecca Cohen downtown. That's the lower level, and we were in there preparing for what God's going to do on, um, on Easter Sunday, and then we got one from the balcony here, too. So it's going to be a great, great time, and uh, we're believing that on Easter Sunday, um, in the heart of our city, we're going to make much of Jesus, and um, you, you can bring your voice. We're believing for just a, to fill the place with worship and just make much of Jesus, love our city, and love our God. Amen? And tickets are going to be available. They're free, but we need to know who's coming so we don't, so everybody has a seat. And they're going to be available in a couple weeks on March, I think it's 19th. Um, you'll be able to get them through social media and email and all that. But it's coming up. We're really, really excited about that. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7 today. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles you can have in the lobby, take with you. We believe in the Word of God. And um, Matthew chapter 7. And I want to say um, good morning to the online church. Uh, we see you. Um, Sudan has tuned in on YouTube today. And we have uh, people from all over the world, from Philippines, all over Canada, locally. Heather, we see you on Facebook. We're so glad you've joined us today. And Kathy and Cheryl and Joshua and so many uh, that we're getting to know part of our family. And um, we're glad you've joined us today. We're glad you're here today in person. Matthew chapter 7. We'll start reading in verse 24. Matthew 7, verse 24. It says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on the solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it'll collapse with a mighty crash. You know, it's interesting whether you built it on a firm foundation, which we believe is Jesus Christ, or you built it on sand, which is anything that, that shifts and is unstable. Culture, finances, your personality, your LinkedIn account, um, you know, the person, your best friend, things, people, and things that are unstable. No matter what, how you build your life, I know this, storms will come. Isn't that so encouraging? Just be blessed by that. No matter, no matter what you do, it's going to rain, it's going to be wind. But the Bible promises us if we build on a firm foundation on Jesus Christ that we will stand in the storms of life. And we've started a series here called Pillars. You see the pillars on the stage, which is talking about how to build your life. And um, see it all the time. I've even felt the shaking in my own life. You've sensed it. And there's a stability that comes of building on the pillars of our faith, the pillar of the Lord Jesus. And we believe that no matter what comes in your life, there can be a strength you don't need to be thrown left and right. You don't need to be uh, shaking and unstable. That you can build a life that is stable. No matter what comes, you can stand the test of time. Amen? And we're in this series called Pillars. And we believe to help us, not just come to a service, not just attend um, 
a moment on Sunday morning or soon, Sunday afternoon. That's not our goal. Our goal as followers of Jesus is to be steady in our faith. Come on, my goal is, was when I, when I gave my life to Christ and as I was going through my teenage years, my goal was not to make it till 20 serving Jesus. My goal was to make it to the end of my life serving Jesus. Is to be a great, great grandparent. I'm prophesying 120 years of age. Come on, somebody. But looking like I'm 70, that's my goal. Be 130, look like I'm 70. Without spot or wrinkle, in Jesus' name. But I'm believing for longevity of stability. Anybody believing for that for their life? Amen. Amen. Um, just even the last couple of weeks, it's been the news so much about buildings collapsing. We saw it even a couple years ago, a year ago in Florida. Horrible pictures coming out of Florida of construction that wasn't maintained, wasn't done well, engineering wasn't um, maintained or, or checked, and great loss of life and collapsing. And then even the pictures coming out of Turkey recently, when things were shaking, the instability and the, um, the, 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 the wreck and the, the carnage because of things not being built well. Even a couple weeks ago, I found myself in New York City, and there's a high-rise there that they say is 70% 70, 70 done and they've had to stop construction because doing tests on the concrete that the columns were made of found out that the, the contractor cut corners and didn't use the right materials, the right rebar, the right concrete, so it's not safe. And they have this building that is 60, 70 stories. That's 70% done that they've stopped, but they're going to have to tear it down and rebuild it because it wasn't built right. I know this, that we can build our life on a firm foundation. Last week we talked about the pillar of confession. Today I want to unpack for the next few minutes uh, the pillar, second pillar I believe we build our life on to bring stability is the pillar of prayer. Pillar of prayer. I want to write this, write this down, this title, four words in four letters. And only this morning did I realize that almost said four-letter words, but that's not what I meant. Four words and four letters on prayer. That I believe today is going to encourage you that if you lean in today, I believe it's going to strengthen your life, strengthen your faith, whether you're watching online today or in person, that we can, uh, no matter what comes in our life, whether blessings or lessons, that God will have us and there will be stability. Amen? We need to pray bold prayers. That's a statement and an encouragement today. We need to pray bold prayers to God and believe great things from God. Make no mistake, even renting the Cohen for our Easter service is us believing for big things from God, uh, asking big things from God and believing for big things from God. I want to stir your faith today to start praying some big prayers. I think sometimes we're just trying to get by. Lord, just bless us and no more and just bless this food and get through this day. I believe it's time for the church again to awaken to the greatness of God and that will be reflected in the bigness of our prayers. Big prayers do not intimidate God. Small prayers insult God. I want to encourage you to say, you know the size of your God and your faith in your God by the size of your prayers. We need to start praying some bold prayers and believing for some big things from God. Why is prayer important? I know that sounds obvious today, talking to uh, a lot of Jesus followers today. But why is prayer important? I believe it's interesting. I was always taught just because it's basic doesn't mean it's not important. Breathing is very basic. I don't know if you know that. It's very basic. In fact, you're not even thinking about breathing. Now you're thinking about breathing because I mentioned it. You know, how am I breathing? Sometimes my wife will look at me and go, can you breathe quieter? Have you, I don't know if you have ever done that to your spouse. Or you ever film something, like, was that Rebecca Cohen filming? And you listen back, and you're like, who's that person wheezing in the background? And you're like, that was me. Right? Like, There's a wildebeest dying at the Rebecca Cohen. No, that was me. I was filming and my breathing. But, you know, breathing is basic, but if you don't do it, you're dead. 
And so many times we look at things like prayer. Well, that's basic. Come on, pastor. Encourage us with something revolutionary, something inspirational. I've realized in life that the pillar of stability of prayer is prevalent in any Christian, any person of faith that has stability in their life. Why is prayer important? Well, Jesus prayed. It says in Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Now, if that was Nova Scotia in the middle of winter, that could have been 9 in the morning for it to be still dark. But uh, it says, very early in the morning when it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house, went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. Jesus prayed. If you read Jesus' ministry and his life, it was, it was filled with prayer. I feel like I need to say this again. We are not here to be church members or church attenders. We are Jesus followers. That is what separates us from so much of culture wants to put you into a box. We are passionate, not about a Nova church, not about gathering in large auditoriums, though we do that. That is not our goal. Our passion is following Jesus. So Jesus prayed. You know, before launching out in public ministry, he fasted and prayed for 40 days. Before choosing his 12 disciples, which some of us would say was administrative, before he even chose them, he prayed all night to get the right people. After feeding 5,000 people and preaching all day and then helping people with uh, physical food, it says that he was tired, but his response was not to lay down and sleep. It was to climb a mountain and pray. When he heard of the devastating news that his cousin John had been murdered and killed, he withdrew by a boat to a private place where he prayed. Jesus' life was anchored in prayer. Jesus was a man of prayer. And if we want to live like Jesus lived, we must do what Jesus did. And that is our goal. The older I get and the more we mature, even as in our faith, our goal is can we live the life that Jesus lived? If we want to do what Jesus did, we got to live the life that he lived. If we want to be able to be the witness to our city, to be able to have the healing um, available for our nation, for our families, for ourselves, if we actually want to see heaven come and actually see us do the works of Christ, if we want to do what Jesus did, uh, we need to live like Jesus lived. He was a man of prayer. I want you to flip back a page to Matthew chapter 6. It's going to be our main text today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. I want to read this verse about prayer. So I encourage you to build, if you're not building, to build the, uh, on the pillar of prayer. If you're praying, keep praying. If you, haven't, if you don't pray, start praying. That's the goal today. If you're praying, pray more. If you haven't started, it's a beautiful time to start praying. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. It says, but when you pray, Jesus is speaking here. He says, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. And then your father who sees everything, will reward you. In the first part of this chapter of Matthew 6, Jesus spoke about three disciplines, actually. We're going to focus on one today, but he, spoke, he, he focused on three disciplines that are part of every Christian's life, giving, fasting, and praying. And how do we know they're supposed to be a part of our lives? How do we know that these are just Jesus assumed, that they be a part of Jesus' followers' lives, giving, fasting, and praying? It's because when he spoke of them, he used an important word, our first word, before each of these statements. He used a certain word that we know he assumes these are supposed to be a part of our life as Jesus' followers. The first word he started off each of these teachings was the word when. Jesus is talking about prayer, fasting, and giving. He says when, which means he assumes that you're praying. Not if you pray, when you pray. 
Jesus, talking to Jesus followers, which many of us in this room are online and in person, he says, when you pray, not if you pray. He is assuming that if you are serious about your faith and following him, prayer is a pillar in your life. When you give, when you fast, when you pray, he's assuming it's a part of it. Jesus wanted to guide us in the proper way to practice them. He starts to unpack how we practice prayer. And it's key, the second word in our four words of prayer. The first one is when, because he assumes it's going to be a part of our life. Can I encourage you? I've heard it, heard it said throughout my whole life, you know, parking in a garage is no longer, no, no more makes you a car than coming to church makes you a Jesus follower. What makes us Jesus followers is that we are people of prayer. It's when we pray. But the second word teaches us how to pray. In each one of these, giving, fasting, and prayer, he uses a second word that talks, unpacks how to put this pillar into our life. It's the word secret. Secret. Why? He was teaching us in this truth to live for an audience of one. For the approval of one. It was my wife's birthday yesterday, and I won't tell you how old she turned, but she turned 48 yesterday. And um, we celebrated, and um, we had friends over, and we, hospitality, and we broke bread together, and um, it was a great time. And it's amazing. I, I put it on social media, it was her birthday. But I made this comment. I'm like, she hasn't had social media for over a year. Doesn't have it on her phone. I'm like, you are the best of us. Because Nancy's like, I don't care what people think. I don't need to promote what I'm doing. She's like, I just want to live my life with those that are around my table and around my house and in my life. And You know, so much of our culture today is living for the approval of people we've never met. It's looking for the likes and comments of people maybe far away. And Jesus was telling us here with secret, not that you have to pray uh, in a secret place that no one ever knows you pray, but what he was trying to say is, listen, there's an importance of knowing we live for an audience of one, for the approval of one, that when you shut the door in private, oh, to live a life that would impress God, not the masses. He was saying, prayer is a thing between me and you. You need to know there's something special about closing your door in the private place, that we do these things in secret. But he also says, you need to know this, that he rewards in public, that what you do in private will affect the public. I've learned this in my life, and Scripture talks about it, that what you plant in private will produce something in public. Have you learned that? Yeah, we use the term sowing and reaping. But Jesus is saying here, pray in private, pray in secret, but I'll reward you in public. You need to know that what we plant in private will grow in public, whether it be sin or whether it be prayer. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, that what you plant in private will be shouted from the rooftops in public. It's true of sin. Every time you see a moral failure or a, some, a public meltdown of someone's life, relationships or business or spirituality or leadership, it always started somewhere in private, but then it was unveiled in public. Prayer is the exact same principle. That what you do in private will be shown in public, but what is shown in public is not a meltdown or a teardown or, 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 or a water down or a walk away. It actually is the power of God. We need to be reminded today that when we pray in private, it doesn't stay there. It actually goes into public. The third word in the pillar of prayer, Jesus said when, and then he said secret. But then I love this. The next word in prayer teaching us the importance of prayer is the word you. 
you. Matthew 6, 6. This is the only verse in all of Scripture that has the singular pronoun, personal pronoun in it, seven times. Let me read this again and look for all the you, all the yours, all the personal pronouns. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. It's interesting that Jesus is teaching about prayer. He wanted to know that it's personal. Jesus was saying that you have a responsibility to pray. You have a responsibility. See, prayer is your responsibility. It's also your opportunity. See, it depends on how you view prayer. If you see it as a duty or something you have to do, you might go, well, it's a responsibility. But if you understand the power of your God, the goodness of your God, what God's capable of, you see it as your opportunity. But the point was, Jesus was saying, you need to know today that it's your responsibility. See, God is our Father then in a few verses down, he, when he says, when you pray, he says, pray our Father. There's such truth in that because in a fragmented world of people doing things on their own, you need to know that we are in this together. That's one of the reasons why gathering is so important is when you come together, you're going, okay, I'm not just in this by myself, trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, live according to his word, trying to know him. There's actually other people in this journey with me. He says, when we pray, say our Father because he's our Father. He crosses countries and cultures and languages, and it's a beautiful um, mosaic of family that we have. We are in this together. Today, on this day, around the world, millions and millions of people are following Jesus and proclaiming and celebrating in churches all over the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of our Father. But prayer is your responsibility. He's our Father, but prayer is your responsibility. You can't outsource your prayers. You can't delegate your prayers. I am so thankful for a praying mother. I'm so thankful for praying friends. I'm so thankful for a praying spouse. I am so thankful for you that pray for me and for the church. But you cannot outsource your prayer time. You cannot delegate it. You cannot assign it. And you cannot cast it off. It is for you. And Jesus was saying, I'm so thankful for what we're growing here and for these disciples and the church that's going to be launched. And it's our Father that we are in this together. But you need to know this. We're in this together by ourselves. He's our Father, but prayer is your responsibility. Church, there is a power available when we pray. There's a hunger growing in our church for prayer. There's a hunger growing in our world right now for prayer, away from just just production and sizes and sermons, sizes of church and sermons. There are things that aren't bad in themselves, but there is a hunger for the place of prayer. And as people pray in private, God is doing something in public. You need to know today it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's our Father, but it's your responsibility. The fourth word Jesus is encouraging us to pray from this verse in Matthew Matthew 6, 6 is the word reward. Here's the beautiful part about this responsibility. It's never a waste of time because God will reward you. Let me reread chapter 6, verse 6, the last half of the verse. He says, give your gifts in private, he says in verse 3, but your father rewards everything you give, talking about giving. Then he goes down into prayer, and he says this. He says, pray to your father in private, then your father who sees everything will reward you. God loves you. 
You need to know that, and you can't change that. It doesn't matter how much you did in, in private last night, maybe the, the club you were in or the things you watched or the things you said. You can't separate yourself from the love of God. He can't love you any more than he loves you right now. I never understood that until I became a parent. I understood it here, but I didn't understand it here. My, my, my greatest love, my understanding of the love of God happened when I became a parent. Talking to someone recently who had a child, and like, I didn't know I could love like this. I'm just saying, it just changes. I realize, you know, my kids, no matter what they do, I, it doesn't stop my love for them. You need to know you can't stop God from loving you. There's nothing you can do to change that. But here's the truth that sometimes we don't follow up with, is that he rewards those who pray. Prayer does not change God's love for you. You cannot grow in his love. I'm telling you, the Bible says that when you pray, God is looking to reward people. What does that reward look like? I love it in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith and foolishness look very similar sometimes. Prayer of faith is one of anticipation before you see all the answers. You see all the, uh, all the outcome. It says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists you see that? Anyone who wants to come to him in prayer must believe that God exists, but also that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And what is the reward? Is that prayer moves heaven into action. Listen, there's nothing like heaven getting involved in your life. When you pray, it's this picture of heaven clearing its throat and leaning forward to engage your situation. Listen to me, some of you, you need to know that heaven is waiting to say something to you. Heaven is waiting to move on your behalf. Heaven is sitting there going, just, just seek my face. Just seek my name. Just come on, just tell me what you need. Just tell me what's on your heart. Heaven is waiting. And when we start to pray, it's like heaven clears its throat and leans in. Listen, God needs and wants to move in our lives. He wants to move in our city, on your relationships, in our church. He wants to move in our nation, on our children, on our, on our spouses, on our boyfriends and girlfriends, on your bosses, on your workplace. He wants to move. And when we pray, it's like heaven starts to clear its throat and lean in. Listen, there's nothing more powerful than when you feel heaven start to engage with your situation. These last few months, I encourage you, i just tell you, even with the venue challenges, I've said it to people privately, and I think I've said it publicly, we've never had a harder time finding a venue. But I did not feel stress. Me and Nancy, we didn't feel, we felt the weight of it, but not the stress of it. I can't explain it. It's like I felt, because prayer's been growing in our church, privately and, and corporately, prayer's been growing, and I felt like heaven was leaning into this situation. There's a confidence that comes knowing heaven is engaging in your life. He's a rewarder. Please don't miss this. He's a rewarder of those. Sometimes we play this, this, this false humility of I don't want anything for it. It's not about me. It's about God. You need to know that heaven rewards those that pray. There are rewards available. There is action available. There are answers available. Heaven wants to speak and heaven wants to step into your situation. He wants to reward. God wants to reward those who sincerely, diligently seek him. There are answers from heaven waiting for someone to cry out in prayer. He says, no, no, I'll reward those that pray. I'll reward those that seek me. He's a rewarder of those that seek him. Listen, church, get heaven moving into your life. Get heaven speaking into your life. You can scheme and plan and do what you want, but there is nothing like when heaven steps in and says, no, no, hang on a second, I got this. 
You don't get to be this place in life or your place in life without heaven stepping in. And if we sat around, we could tell the stories, many in this room, where heaven stepped in doesn't make sense. You didn't earn it. You didn't scheme for it. You didn't plan for it. But God stepped into your situation, cleared his throat, and leaned in and watched what God did. This church is a miracle based on God moving. Your lives are miracles of God moving. Listen, get heaven engaged in your life. When we pray, when we pray, in the secret private place, you praying and you praying and you praying, knowing it's personal, God will start to reward. And our children and grandchildren, neighbors and coworkers, and our mental health and our physical health and our church needs, people that are praying and watch what God will do in public because he's a reward of those that seek him. Four words on prayer. Let me give you four letters on how to pray. Some of you, maybe you're starting your journey. Maybe you even sense it in the season, a desire to pray. You don't know where to start. The last six months, we've been running prayer rooms in our church. Right now, we have one on Tuesday night and one on Friday morning, and more are coming, and more. And if you want to lead a prayer time, there's lots of space to run a prayer time. But we've been growing in prayer. I personally have been growing privately in prayer. It's something that is not always a victory. It's a struggle, if I can be honest. It's not always, always my go-to. Jesus' go-to is prayer. Sometimes my go-to is watch Formula One on Netflix. Can someone say amen? Just me. Okay, thank you. Maybe my go-to is to go to the gym or maybe go for a walk or go to Starbucks. But I'm, there's something inside of me realizing not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of the Lord. And there's been a groaning inside my heart. Maybe you felt the same way. The last six months, we've been using this, this, this it's not a formula. It's not, a, it's not um, you have to do it this way, but things that have helped us pray. And I want to just practically talking to you, sir, talking to you, ma'am, going, how am I going to pray for that situation in my life? How am I going to pray I'm in my 20s, and I'm navigating all these things. How are you going to engage heaven to clear its throat and lean into your situation? You're in your 50s. You're navigating change and, uh, of jobs and family change. How are you going to lean in, have heaven lean in? Here's some things we've learned. Four letters that spell the word pray, P-R-A-Y. We use it in the prayer room every week. On Friday morning, if you come to prayer, this is what we do. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe this will help you. It's not about long prayers, it's about short prayers. When, they're cl- when you're close to heaven, short prayers work. God doesn't time our prayers, he weighs them. I'm telling you, there's something about just being uh, vulnerable, but I want to unpack real quick four letters on how to pray that we've been using. Number one is pause. It spells the word pray. Pause. Our Father is a relational stopping and pausing and focusing on who, not what. It's relational. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Mother Teresa said it like this, God speaks in the silence of the heart. Listening is the beginning of prayer. Here's what I've learned. Sometimes before I start, I have to stop. Am I the only one? I've never had a harder time with focus in my life. I'm 47, be 48 soon. Like my much older wife, who just turned 48, I'll be 48 in like a month and a half. Um, I've never struggled with focus more in my life. It seems like there's devices looking for my attention. It seems like there's text messages and emails and and social media messages and there's to-do lists. I've never been busier and I've never been less productive at times. Anybody else feel the same way? People say, I had a busy week and I always follow up with, but was it productive? I've realized that sometimes when we had our, our birthday dinner yesterday for Nancy, uh, I just put my phone away and I was present. And sometimes before you start, you have to stop. 
I think in prayer, sometimes we can just go through the to-do list. Okay, I read a verse, I prayed a prayer, I, I asked for this, and, and then next thing you know, you kind of went on to the next thing. There's something about pausing in that moment and going, God, I see you, I feel you, I acknowledge you, I need you, and I focus on you. Be still and know he is God. When was the last time you quieted your life? When was the last time you walked away from your device? When was the last time you shut the music off in the car? When was the last time you let silence fill your life? I'll tell you, he'll meet you there. He'll meet you in the quiet place. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the wind. He's in the still, small voice. To start, we have to stop. I find in prayer, I have to stop with just getting my senses together, stopping the noise and just centering in, going, I see you, God. I know you're here. I want to meet with you. Let me just focus on you. Can I encourage you? Stop the noise. Take a moment. Start, stop the noise and pause. Second letter in pray, R, rejoice. The Lord's Prayer starts with, in Matthew 6, the invitation to adoration. Matthew 6, 9 in the New King James says it this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And if we're not careful, it's easy to mistake that first words of a Lord's Prayer as a greeting, as an intro to get things out of the way so we can get down to the real business of asking for what we need. It's not. It's a powerful truth. Understanding the access point to God is love and thanksgiving. When you celebrate, when you rejoice of who God is and what he means to you and what he's done for you, something starts to happen. Most people's biggest problem with prayer is God. They see him as a judge or a jury or a boss or an accountant. They see him as some distant entity or a grumpy cosmic force. He's not. No wonder people want to avoid hanging out with him. No one ever wants to deal with HR when they say, can we have a talk? No one ever wants to follow up with the accountant going, hey, we're missing some receipts. No one else wants to get the notice of mispayment in your bank account. If you see God as that, no wonder we avoid him. That's why Jesus taught us, pray our Father. It's relational. When you understand, hallowed be thy name, how wonderful is your name, you start to celebrate the goodness of God. Something starts to happen. We rejoice in praise. Celebrate God. Praise is prayer. In the prayer room and privately, I've been doing this. I've been uh, listening to worship. We have the best worship teams in the world leading prayer on Friday mornings. We just play it through our phone, through a big speaker in the office. It's amazing. We turn up as loud as we can, and we just praise God. Why? There's something starts to happen when you start to praise. You pause. Then you start to rejoice, and you feel his presence. And when you make much of God, God will make much of your situation. We have to get, to, get the relationship right. Prayer goes from being a have-to to I can't wait to. I had a few comments today. We canceled prayer on Friday because of snow. A couple of comments. Man, I missed prayer this week. I missed prayer last week. A couple weeks ago, it was snowing. We didn't cancel. And I'm like, no one's, this is the day no one's going to show up. And everybody showed up. Why? There's something about I can't wait to when you get in God's presence. Rejoice. When was the last time you celebrate with God? Today, we celebrate it in worship. When you're praying, I encourage you to put on a worship song. Sing it. Put your headphones in at the gym on the treadmill. Come on. Just sing it. No one's listening to you anyway. Just sing it. There's something happens when we activate our mouth and start to praise God and rejoice and celebrate that he is the firm foundation. On this I will stand. There may come winds and, and shakiness, but God is with me. Who can be against me? He has been faithful. He has been faithful. He is faithful. He will be faithful. He's been faithful to my family. He's been faithful in my life. I praise you, God, for you are good. And something starts to build in my heart. And I feel God's presence. 
P-R-A in pray. Ask. Matthew 6.11 says, give us, the Lord's prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. The Lord's prayer invites us, please hear me, to ask things from God. Some of us are so Atlantic Canadian, but we don't ask God for anything. Because, you know, he knows. He says, ask. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. It says, give us this day our daily bread. The Lord's Prayer invites us to ask God from everything from daily bread to his kingdom come. And his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy, scripture teaches us. Prayer for ourselves is called petition. Prayer for others is called intercession. And both are asking. When we come to a place of prayer, we pause. We rejoice in who God is. And then we ask, God, would you help us? And would you help others? Petition is asking for ourselves. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. It said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Some of you, you need to understand, you need to tell God what you need. Some of us are waiting for a ship to come in. We've never sent a canoe of prayer out. Well, God knows. God will do something. Listen, we have never prayed more for a building. Our building is coming. Why? Because we've earned it? No, but God is good. And we are asking Pray for your healing. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray for our city. Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. Pray for your church. Ask for yourselves. Ask for others. Archbishop William Temple famously said this, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. See, some of you think it's luck or you just think it's a coincidence. that Listen, when we pray, things start to shift. God leans into your life. It's not a coincidence that that person called. It's not a coincidence you got that text. I wasn't even going to share this. This is going to be awesome. You're going to be blessed by this. The venue, navigating it. I was a little ticked off spiritually in a good way. Can you do that? I think you can. I was a little mad, but I didn't sin, but I was mad a couple weeks ago. I'm like, we don't have a venue, can't find a venue. And I just I was driving to staff meeting, and this, I felt like it was from heaven, but maybe it was me. Sometimes that happens. And I was like, you know what, can't get a venue? Can't get a venue? You know what? We're going to go after the biggest venue in the city, biggest auditorium in the city. You know what? We're going to do that. And I was like, you know what? I just, let's get Rebecca Cohen. Thought about it at 9 o'clock in the morning. By 2 in the afternoon, the Rebecca Cohen was booked. I'm like, ah, oh, there you go, devil. And then I thought, what have I done? <laughs> well, we start praying, God, we feel this on your heart. Make much of Jesus in the city. One service. We fill this place twice on Easter. Let's just do one service. I want every voice lifting up the name of Jesus. Then we had another idea. Our worship team's going to be leading worship. It's going to be amazing. We thought, you know what? Let's have some special guests come in and sing a song. So we have a special guest and uh, worship leader. We'll reveal, reveal next week. But a worship leader coming in from other part of Canada to come in and lead worship. Uh, Juno-nominated worship leader going to come in and lead worship at the Cohen with us. I thought, God, it's going to be awesome. We started praying. I get a call last week. You got time for a chat. This guy calls me, FaceTime me. He said, guess where I am? I'm like, where are you? He's like, Hawaii. I'm like, I want to hang up. Disconnect. He's like, what do you need as a church? I'm like, we need a building. Do you got one? He goes, I don't have a building. He said, what else do you need? I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, venue, we're doing this. He goes, tell me about this Easter thing. He said, what? Well, how much is that going to cost? Well, we got this, we got this. He goes, I'll cover it. I'll cover it. I'll cover the bill. See, some of you didn't clap for that because you didn't pray for that. You can't celebrate because you didn't have to navigate. But as a team navigating venues, I'm sitting there going, God, you're so good. 
He's like, how much that, 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 that guest is coming? I'll, I'll pay for their flights. I'll pay for their honorarium. How much is the venue going to cost? Well, I'll pay for that. You want to do billboards? We're going to do four billboards in the city. I'll pay for that. I'm like, um, 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 I got more. Um, we're hoping to go to Florida as a family. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Listen, God wants to, 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 to hear our requests. You complain about your teenager. Do you pray for them? You feel the ice in your marriage? Have you prayed for your marriage? You feel disconnected from your community? Have you prayed for your community? Coincidences stop happening when you stop praying. It's no coincidence that my friend in Hawaii, sunning and tanning, that he was on his mind. The Lord's Prayer emphasizes personal, practical requests. The Lord's Prayer says, give us Forgive us, lead us, deliver us. As God's children, it's our primary privilege to be able to ask and expect God to meet our needs. We ask. I don't know if you felt this. I start praying and I realize I have so much to ask for. Like, why didn't I pray sooner? Not our selfishness, but so God, I need, I can't solve that. I can't navigate that tension. I'm not smart enough. We're not connected enough. We're not resourced enough. And God's sitting there going, I'm just looking to clear my throat and lean in. Church, God is leaning into your life. Just ask. Last one is why. P-R-A-Y. Yield. In the Lord's Prayer in verse 10 of Matthew 6, it says, Your will, after all that pausing and all the rejoicing and all the asking for ourselves and for others, forgive and lead us not into, and we need provision, and your kingdom come, all the asking, it stops and goes, your, your, your will be done. If I'm honest, this is the toughest part of prayer for me. It says, your will be done. You need to know today, church, that when we yield to God, going, we've prayed and we've tried to figure it out, we're working hard. We're confessing, we're praying, we're putting these pillars. You need to know God has a plan. You can trust Him, and He is working on your behalf. Hear me today, church. Trust God. You can trust Jesus. Matthew, sorry, Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on Google. I added that part. Don't depend on your own understanding. Prayer is humility in action. I just, I'll just call the bank. I got a buddy. I'm pretty sure I can figure this out. When you pray, you're saying, I can't do this I'm not smart enough to figure this out. Help. It's yielding yourself to the power of God and the presence of God. We aren't in control, if you haven't realized that yet. And we're not always right. Lean on the pillar of prayer. Lean in and dare God to move. Four words. When. In the secret place, knowing that what you do in private will be seen in public. All that our private prayers would be shown in our city with salvations and miracles and redemption and healings. 
that would break out into our schools and our streets and our businesses. Why? Because people say it's my prayer, it's my re- he's our father, but it's my responsibility that the secret place would go public with the power of God, that it's you, it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility, and that we know the reward of heaven, that he is ready to move and he is willing. Pause. Rejoice. Put on a worship song. When you go home today, when you wake up tomorrow morning, pause. Put down your phone. Put down social media. Put your phone out of reach and going. Put an alarm. Hey, Google, send an alarm for 10 minutes. Put a worship song on. Put the firm foundation. Sing it. Pray it. Then ask God for what you need for your life and those around you. And then say, God, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. And watch what God will start to do. Your life will get stable on the firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet today. I ask the worship team to lead us in this song one more time. Firm foundation. You feel shaky today? You feel maybe the wind's blowing your relationships around, your finances around, your mental health around? You need to know today that stability is promised and stability is available. That come wind or rain, if you build it on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ and following him, no matter what comes this week, you don't need to fear that text message, fear that meeting, fear that relationship. Why? Because we have stability in the power of Jesus Christ. Come on, Alex, lead us in this song. Let's sing this together as a prayer, rejoicing in the goodness of God. Is built I'm safe with you. I'm gonna make it through. Rain came when my house is built on. today, you've tuned in, you've paused your schedule, go, no, I want to make much of God. We've just rejoiced. We praise God. Let's ask. Again, all over this place, if you have a need of some sort, we just raise your hand so I know who's agreeing with me today. My hand is up. Let's pray. God, I'm asking today. We are asking today, in this moment, in this place, we're asking for healings in this place. There are physical um, problems with our bodies and minds that we need healing. I'm asking for healing. Those that need a miracle physically, God, we're asking for healings today. 
We're praying for organs to work right. We're praying for um, um, blood systems to be cleaned. We're praying for um, minds to be clear. We're praying for um, ligaments to be healed. We're praying for bones to be readjusted. We're praying for disease to be gone. We're asking in Jesus' name, would you heal right now? I pray for depression to be gone in Jesus' name. I pray for anxiety to reside and disappear in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for relationships where there is strain in friendships, maybe in spouses, maybe in dating, maybe in business. I pray that there would be peace. That, God, there would be a resolution today. God, would you make a way where it seems like there is no impasse? Would you make a way? God, I'm asking for financial miracles. God, there are people that need uh, larger apartments and to be able to even get into homes. Would you make a way financially? Praying for promotions. God, we're asking for uh, resources to come into their hands. God, would you make a way where banks and credit scores say it's impossible? Would you do a miracle? Father, we pray for those that are far from God, even in our our circle of influence. Maybe it's our children or grandchildren. Maybe it's our our, our friends or our siblings or or, or, or classmates or coworkers, God, would you show up in their lives? And would you use us? God, we pray for miracles right now of people far from God being introduced to the goodness that you are, oh God. God, we pray for miracles in our, in our, in our church, miracles in our families. Father, we pray for a building as a church. We agree together and ask for the right space in the right place at the right price. God, would you make a way for that? God, we ask today. Now, God, we yield together. We lift up all these requests and we say your will be done on earth as it is heaven. Your will be done in our lives, our families, our friends, our businesses, our church as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen. Church, build on the pillar of prayer. God has a plan, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing Sunday.